it seems that everybody wants the real thing. We don't want the imitation. We want the real thing. Now, I used to be a motorcycle racer, and the best thing on the market at that time was called a Honda Elsinore. Now, there were a lot of people that tried to imitate the Honda Elsinore, but it was nothing like the real thing. But God wants us to imitate who He is. And when that happens, there is a radical life change that makes a difference in your life forever. My name is Trey Rhodes, and I'm the Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. It's good to have you along, especially our Life Connection Group leaders, our care leaders, and our assistant teachers. We're so glad for you to be a part and to be enjoying this time together. And appreciate that you do listen and, and of course, get the word out and you teach your classes. It makes a huge difference. This Sunday is the Super Bowl Sunday of churches. Now, I know that's a little crass to say. But the truth is that a lot of people will come to church on Easter Sunday when they won't attend any other time. So I want you to be aware of that. Uh, when you see people you don't know, introduce yourself. Tell them you're a teacher or an assistant teacher at a Life Connection group, and you would love to have them join you next week for Life Connection group. There's no better way to get people in your Life Connection group next week than to give them a personal invitation. So uh, some of our Life Connection group leaders hang around the coffee table. Feel free to do that. Um, wherever people are, if you see them sitting beside you, say, hey, I haven't seen you recently. Have you had the opportunity to get around uh, to getting into a Life Connection group? I'd love to have you in mind. I'll take you in there. I'll introduce you. And the beauty of it, if you're in the 930 worship service, the beauty of it is that you're able to take people straight from the 930 service and say, hey, listen, why don't you come join me in Life Connection group? We're meeting right now. We'd love to have you. You might not get them that week, but at least they know that you're uh, open to them coming and being a part and fellowshipping. And the most important thing is that they are connected because we know, and let's say it together, your best spiritual growth happens in community. Let's say it again. Your best spiritual growth happens in community. I've said it so many times. I think it's mine, but Pastor Tommy first taught me that uh, four or five years ago. So we want you to get out there and get them in and bring them to, the, to uh, enjoy what it means to be in a Life Connection group as they learn the Word of God, as they are, are cared for, and as they are learn to fellowship in a Christ-like way. Okay? Well, we are in Ephesians chapter 5, so go ahead and get your Bibles and turn there. And uh, we are going to be looking at the first 14 verses, and we're talking today about imitating God. As I started out talking, I, I said in particular that most people don't want an imitation. And the, usually the word comes along, cheap imitation. I don't need a, another cheap imitation of. Uh, Pastor Tommy actually used Starbucks, and I remember going by. I think I tried to get one of the signs. It, didn't, it turned out blurry, but it was not Starbucks. There's no such thing as Starbucks in Palestine. So when there's no such thing, they made it up themselves. And we saw that walking as we were doing the church and the nativity there in Bethlehem. Well, they say that imitation is the highest form of flattery, and uh, you have a heavenly father who does want you to imitate him. Now, I know immediately people say, is that possible? Obviously, some things you can imitate. Uh, obviously, we will never be all-knowing, all-present, all, you know, uh, eternal, all those things. But you can imitate his character. 
and things like his love and his grace, his compassion, his kindness, and those kind of things. So why would you want to imitate God, especially when it seems so impossible? You were saved to be like Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 tells us that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You were saved from certain things, but you were also saved to or saved for living for Christ and being like Jesus. Now, you're always going to find the most joy and satisfaction when you're living like that, when you live like Jesus. You're going to feel the most purpose in life when you're becoming a little Jesus, a little God. And when I say a little God, acting like God is what I mean. Well, don't believe me? Well, if you don't believe me, it's because you've never tried. Ephesians chapter 4, if you remember last week, we talked about Paul calling us to live like Christ together. Why? It was for the sake of your own souls. You never regret obeying Christ. And for the sake of a lost world, God uses a holy church to, to reach a lost world. So how do we imitate God? Ephesians 5, 1 to 17 answers the question. It's hard-hitting and convicting, yet life-giving. There's two ways to imitate God's love. The first is this. Ask God to help you love with His love. Let me say that again. Ask God to help you love with His love. Now, we imitate God. Why? Because we're His children. You're not going to even attempt to imitate Jesus until you are secure in who you are. You're one of the children of Jesus. You see, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not. And Pastor Tommy on his sermon outline capitalized N-O-T, not a child of this world. Your identity's changed. Ephesians chapter, we, we learned that. In Ephesians 1 through 3, how God changes from who, he, who we were into what he wants us to be and all the reasons why. Now, he's teaching us to live uh, how, uh, how we should live. Because the world needs believers who actually live out their faith. Not live out, and this is hard, our political persuasion. Or live out, and this is hard too, our religious, you know, our, our preference religiously. Or our opinions, you know. Not live out our opinions, but we live out biblical faith. And there's a lot of room inside of those, of biblical faith. There's a lot of room inside of that for different people and diversity. So we live out our faith. That means living out God's love. And we love one another. Why? Because 1 John 4, 7, and 8 tells us, for God is love. Now, what we got to be aware of is, is this thing called counterfeit love. Counterfeit love is focused on self. A couple weeks ago in the, in the youth ministry, we talked about 1 Corinthians 13. Pastor Tommy, as he has been dealing with marriage, has talked about 1 Corinthians 13. And it's not a romantic, mushy-gushy love. It, it is not a love that's focused on self and what I gain from our relationship. It, you know, the, the, this counterfeit love is self-love. and It's an attitude that says, I'll do it if you do it for me. And I'll do it and I'll love you as long as. But you cross that line and I'm not going to love you anymore. So we live out genuine love. Uh, Paul David Tripp, one of Pastor Tommy's and well, excellent author as well, uh, says this in, in one of his books. Love is willing sacrifice. Let me say it again. Love is willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that does not require reciprocation or that the person being loved is deserving. Wow. That's how Jesus loves you. That is what we call agape love. That's the kind of love that Paul talks about in the previous verses. It's kind, compassionate, forgiving. Um, now, we also have this, con- this concept that we also need to deal with, and that is this these, were, these things that come out of our personalities as well, bitterness and anger and all those sort of things. There, 
That's the natural way of doing things. And you may choose now to not live out genuine love, but realize if you do, it's going to become, it's going to be because you're too in love with yourself. It's all about you, and your heart is always going to give in to bitterness and anger. To love that way, you have to have two realities settled in your mind. Here they are. Number one, I know people are going to hurt me. So many people live that way. If I love them, they're going to hurt me. Bill, Bill and Gloria Gaither wrote a song. It says, I am loved, I am loved, I can risk loving you. And I used to think, how dumb to risk. What kind of a risk? But then I grew up and realized how risky real love is. People, when they do hurt you, doesn't mean that you stop loving them somehow. Now, I know that Jesus, oh, the second point is that not only do you know people are going to hurt you, but number two, that you know that Jesus has embraced me in spite of how I have hurt him. We have all hurt him. We have, we have done things that have just basically slapped him in the face. And yet he loves us in spite of it. I think it was Rick Warren that said, God loves us on our good days and our bad days. And he loves us in spite of ourselves. So it comes down to really, are we going to love people or are we going to use people? So Paul is about to address using people. So he says this, so then we ask God to help you shine his light. Verse 8 tells us, you once were darkness, not you walked in darkness. This is big. You were darkness. You weren't in the problem. You were a part of the problem. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 says, now children of light, God is light. You reflect, what we do is we reflect his light like the moon reflects the sun. Now if you're not darkness, the, what you don't ever need to do is take part in darkness. Paul tells us what this kind of darkness is. Remember, Pastor Tommy went through it. These idea, this idea of sexual immorality, any type of sexual activity that's outside a marriage relationship. This is the kind of conversation that we don't really want to have in church, but because the world is having it, we've got to have it. You see, culture wants to rename things. It wants to call things adult content. And we see the adult superstore. I don't know that I had ever heard that term. And I'm trying to think, I know that there, my wife said, oh yeah, there's a sign on the interstate that talks about adult superstore. And I, whoa, <laughs> I don't know how to put two and two together. But anyway, maybe if I saw the sign, I would. But, you know, they try to rename. They, they don't call it adultery. They call it affairs. Um, and, you know, we try to make it something it's not. We try to smooth it over. We try to make it sound really, you know, not, not, not you know, great, but we don't want it to sound terrible. And then we redefine. So even if we don't rename it, we'll redefine what it means when we use the word. You know, so when we say that what love is, we say, well, you know, as long as it's consensual between, between two adults, and if it feels right, then it just must be right. I think it was You Light Up My Life that was sung uh, many years ago, 20 years ago. Some of you older guys might remember that. And it says, it can't be wrong if it feels so right. What a lie from the pit, huh? But here's what you can know. The Bible's teaching on sexuality has not changed. And by the way, it's not going to change. Tomorrow we're not going to wake up and somehow say, oh, it's not. All that stuff we used to believe, that's out the window. That's water under the bridge. And we know that Bibles, the Bible, what it teaches us on sexuality is good. It's about God. What we do is we want to live a life that is God-glorifying. And we live a life that, is, that God designed on a purpose for the purpose of being good for us. So why does Paul talk about sexuality here? Sexual sin is the height of selfishness. It is the height of self-love. It's counterfeit love. This is a big deal in Ephesus. This is what they were struggling with. 
rampant in that world they lived in. In marriage, it's a physical expression of selflessness. It's not always, but that's what it's designed to be. And in marriage, it can be that type of selflessness. It can be that kind of genuine love. Genesis 2 symbolizes two people becoming one flesh. Marriage is a oneness, committed together for life to live as one in every area of our lives. And every decision affects that, that marriage. Every decision made is now with the other in mind. And sex is a celebration of oneness. And it's vulnerable, you know. No one knows me like my spouse. I can tell you, no one knows me like that. It's safe. I give you my, uh, my life to you, even though the most vulnerable parts of my life. Why? Because I trust you. And inside marriage, it's worth celebrating. Now, outside of marriage, physical oneness from someone without giving them the rest of yourself, you're saying, I want oneness without actual oneness. You're, what you're not saying uh, when you engage in sex outside of marriage is, I'm yours, because you're not because you're not joining the rest of yourself with that person. Sex outside of marriage cheapens God's design. And then he talks about any impurity. That includes sexuality, but it also talks about greed. Greedy for sex or greed for anything else. Money, resources, time, stuff. Shouldn't be even named among you. That's, that's again, that's going back to that idea of self-love. It's what's good for me. It's that narcissistic sort of, sort of bent that we have. This kind of selfish love where I take from others to satisfy my physical cravings doesn't fit into God's definition. That kind of selfish love doesn't imitate God. It's not even named among you. New Living Translation says, such sins have no place among God's people. We flee from this kind of life that takes from others for our own benefit. Not just the act, but the thought. So be careful if you feel no sense of shame or conviction when you watch a movie that's filled with sexuality. I once had a friend who, who uh, still a dear friend, and he was going... Uh, I, I thought everything was going fine with him, and he came up to me and he says, you know, he says, you know that movie, it had all this sex in it and filthy language and those kind of things. And I, but I enjoyed the movie because that kind of stuff just doesn't bother me anymore. I said, that's not a good thing. How much media did you consume last week that, just be honest, that displayed marriage and sexuality from a biblical perspective? Probably none. How much media did you consume last week that celebrated sexuality outside of a biblical perspective? Probably all. Do you think that our consumption of media that glorifies sexual immorality may negatively affect our hearts? Of course it will. It's not just the act and the thought, but the talk. He goes on to say no crude joking. Uh, not no joking. Jokes are great. They you know, entertain us. We have fun. It's great to laugh. But jokes that talk about or objectify someone of the opposite sex, glorify sexuality of, out of God's, outside of God's design. Maybe you don't tell the jokes, but maybe you're just a garbage can. You just listen and you know, get filled up with it. Instead of coarse talk you, from your lips, what should come out? Thanksgiving. That's the put off. You put off that stuff that's horrible, and you put on the good stuff. And the good stuff here is thanks, Thanksgiving. Thankfulness that God is a better way than the world and what it glorifies. Now, if you're constantly given to that kind of life, and people in your life connection group might very well be, that's ultimately idolatry. And if you're an idolater, obviously, you have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Idolatry wasn't going to the temple of Artemis. It was setting the heart's affection on consuming sins that kill us. Paul says that this is what you've been saved from, not what you've been saved for. 
So verse 6 goes on to say, let no one deceive you with empty arguments. You're receiving a lot of arguments today. Empty words, full of error, etc., etc. Believers in Ephesus heard empty arguments. It's okay how we worship. You know, empty words always rationalize sin. Um, and we can't be the partner of darkness in a world obsessed with sexual immorality and the sins that accompany sexual immorality. Verse 8 goes on to say the contrast is walking in the light, Jesus being the light. When you walk in the light, you don't participate in the darkness. You expose the darkness. Do you see why Paul writes these words? Let me tell you a couple of reasons why. Your heart is always too easily influenced, isn't it? All these things that we talked about, greed and sexuality, of course, talking impurity, everywhere, hard, to, hard if you are able to avoid it at all. And if you're not immune to the effects of sin in the world, you can't pretend like you're not influenced by deeds of darkness because you're not immune and you are influenced. And that's why we can't constantly expose ourselves to those deeds. Your heart is way too valuable. Matter of fact, we're told in the Proverbs that to guard our heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. Christ died for you to bring you into the light, to give you a heart that goes, that longs for what's better than darkness. So what do the deeds of darkness do to your heart? They hurt us, distort us, distort our views, distort our mind. What does light do for us? It heals us. You see, there's healing in the gospel, and I wish more people understood. They said, I can't do that until I completely understand it, but you're never going to completely understand it until you submit to the gospel of Jesus Christ, seeing sin for what it is and seeing solution that God gives us for sin. And that's when we confess and repent and we live God's way because your responsibility is way too important. So what do we do? We expose. The world needs to know a better way. We expose by judging? No. You get to talk about a more compelling life. That's how we expose it. We say, listen, to live for Jesus is the greatest thing ever. I don't need that kind of a lifestyle to somehow find my purpose in life. I don't need that kind of a lifestyle to just uh, to get excitement and, and, and commitment and all those things. No, we can, we can find all that in Jesus Christ. And you get to show a more compelling life. How? We live that thankful life. We put sexuality in its proper place. Sex is not sin. Sex outside of its proper place is sin. In a proper place, there is no guilt, there's no shame, no hiding, but there is real joy. And by living your marriage by God's design, that's how that happens. We live a more compelling life. It exposes the darkness. Verse 14, then, is a quote from Isaiah 60, 1 through 2. It's an ancient hymn, some people think, and this is what happened to you as a follower of Jesus. Christ has shined on you, and you have now risen from the dead. If anybody in your life connection group has never trusted Christ, it is their opportunity to rise from the dead now, to turn over from their death and darkness and sin and turn to a new life in Jesus Christ. Believe that he died for you and he rose again. I would challenge you every single week to make sure that you share the gospel. And something Pastor Tommy and I talked about today, you know, there might be an opportunity for you to kind of go back and forth with the gospel and you might want to quiz them as to what the gospel is and let them ask you about the gospel every now and again. I know all of you can share the gospel. That's not a problem. But your people need to learn what it means to share the gospel because once they internalize it, then it'll begin to make a difference like they've never seen before. All right, let's jump into the discussion questions, Ephesians 5, 1 through 14. And first of all, you might want to take one of these. Um, I think number two is great because it goes right with the sermon. Ephesians 5, 1, be imitators of God. Paul tells us to imitate God. How is that even possible? Let him talk about that. Um, how, about, how about number one, though? Well, who is someone that you looked up to when you were younger? So you might want to use that one, and, and then they can, it can kind of be a little, it doesn't have to be as heavy, 
Uh, maybe something they can talk about and how they want to be like them and all those sort of things. Remember the, I remember the commercial about be like Mike. Um, but anyway, all right, let's examine the text. Okay, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. We started with this. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering, offering to God. Now, why should we want to imitate God? Now, you would say immediately, well, I don't think that that's possible to imitate God. Um, so you, you find, we found uh, what we talked about in the message, you will always find the most joy and satisfaction in life when you're living like Jesus. And that's when we talked about if you don't believe that, then it's because you haven't tried that. So most joy and satisfaction comes when you're living like Jesus. So in verses 1 and 2, what is the motivation that you have for serving God? Well, look at those some of the things. That we are able to walk in love as Christ loved us. We are able to be sacrificial in what we do and say. We become this offering to God. That is the way we offer ourselves. And it's such a fragrant, it is beautiful smelling to God when we offer ourselves that way. Number two, let's read Ephesians 5, 3. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you as is proper for saints. Um, how, what is God's design for sexuality? Remember we talked about it's sex is not sin. Sex outside of a marriage relationship is where the sin comes in. So then how is God's design for sexuality life giving? Well, when we live out our life in such a way that we honor God with our bodies, that we are, we are, we are giving of ourselves, we are learning to trust someone with our hearts, with our lives, with everything we have. And it really is genuine love. Uh, we are able to do that because of how God intended us to live one man for one woman for one lifetime. So sexual immorality, how is it life taking? I think you know that. But, you know, things like it, it takes away our, uh, our life that we deserve, we, the guilt that we have. Um, this idea of, of, you know, you start to think that all everybody's going to hurt you. That, and uh, the good news is, is that Jesus, then because of his grace, has embraced me. That's what real love is, in spite of how I have hurt him. But don't let that happen. Don't let it be life-taking. Let it be life-giving. Ephesians 5, 3, and 4. How are all the sins Paul lists in these verses related, okay? Let's read a couple of them. We already read verse 3, but it talks about sexual morality, impurity, greed, should be heard from you, uh, among you, obscene or foolish talking, crude joking. All those are, are sins, Paul lists. Now, what do you think Paul means when he writes a list of those sins? Should not even be heard among you as is proper for saints. I mean, come on. We, don't, don't we know that? That we have no business doing these kind of things? We have no business being involved in those things? It shouldn't even be named. If you're a saint, this is not what you do. And you say, well, I'm no saint. Oh, yes, you are. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a saint. It is not some Catholic understanding of what it means to be a real strong, you know, real super, super Christian. Every believer is intended to be a saint, lived out for God. Well, I just asked Jesus in my life, and that was enough. No, my friend, it has to be more than that. All right, Ephesians 4. Why, why do we give to obscene uh, why are we so given to obscene, foolish talk and crude joking? Again, I think it objectifies people, doesn't it? It, it looks down to people of, of different races, of different races, of different um, 
uh, genders. You know, we might ridicule or we might make fun of or even joke about body parts and about how they are and about the sex act and other things. Those are, uh, that's what we're talking about. So why are we given to that? I think it's because, number one, it makes us very uncomfortable uh, to talk about sex, so we have to kind of joke about it, to be able to talk about it. When, when God's design for sex is beautiful and wonderful, um, so we don't tell these kind of jokes. We don't hurt people with what we say and do, or what we say. Now, what does our enjoyment of crude jokes say about our hearts? It says that we have a heart that is, that is dirty, that is dirty and need cleansing, needs cleansing. And unfortunately, it might be some people in your Life Connection group whose heart has never been changed. That hurts, doesn't it? Their heart may never have been changed. Um, and so the, the, heart, the, the, the heart of the matter is, it is a matter of the heart, isn't it? How is giving thanks to remedy for foolish and crude talk? Well, when we give when we give thanks to God, and it's funny that they tie these two things. This is the put on, put off part. Remember we talked about that? This is the put on, put off. So we put off the, the those jokes and the crude talk, and then we put on thanksgiving. We are thankful for how God made us. We are thankful for our the moral. Uh, lifestyle that he has given us in this world lived with sexual immorality that we can we, that we are thankful that we can give ourselves completely and totally and trustingly to someone there's all kind of things you can talk about there and let them definitely let them chime in how how that thanksgiving can can be the remedy for foolish and crude talk um you know, we just thank God for what He has done, designed for us, whether it's for our, our marriage, married spouse uh, or whether it's for being single, how God designed us to be single. All those we can be thankful for. So continue to grow in your thankfulness by looking for what you can thank God for. Number five, Ephesians 5.5. 5. Let's read that. For know and recognize this, every sexually immoral moral, or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, is Paul serious? The answer is yes, he is. Now, let your life connection, you know, pause for a second there. Is Paul serious? Is that what he's really saying? That if these are going on in your life that you don't have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ? He's saying that. He said, this is not what Christians live like. So the question then becomes, do people that practice sexual immorality or given us greed actually excluded from the kingdom of God? The answer is yes. That's possible for the simple reason. How is that possible? Because they've never been able to put sexuality back in its proper place. They've never understood what real love is about. They don't understand what it means to give themselves totally and completely to someone. And certainly if they can't do that with an individual, it's very difficult that they could ever do it with God. All right, Ephesians 6, uh, 5, 6 through 11. And we, we're not going to read the whole thing, but let me uh, read this and we'll go back and talk about it as we do it. What does it mean to walk in the darkness? Well, when we walk in the darkness, um, we're walking kind of with our eyes closed. We're walking with, in a place where we can't see. Um, we, 
we're walking in a place where we can't see, that's right, and we don't know the direction we're going. Uh, we don't know how to get there. Um, and darkness is just overwhelming and permeating, isn't it? Have you ever been in real dark? I'm telling you. We used to go to the forts on Sullivan's Island and run around those things, and it was so dark you could not see your hand in front of your face. That's the kind of darkness that you've got to think about. You see, when you walk in dark, you can't pretend that you're not influenced by deeds of darkness. And when you walk that way, you're constantly exposing yourself to de deeds of darkness. Um, what does it mean to walk in the light? Well, when you walk in the light, we've got to be able to do that. So you can see clearly that there's a better way. When you've come to know Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, tell your Life Connection group, you've seen the light. That's not a joke. That's not just something we're saying uh, flippantly. It is the real thing. So how do we expose the darkness as children of light? Do we yell at people? Do we make fun of them? Do we ridicule them on, on social media? No. We get to do a couple things. We get to talk about a more compelling life. Christians don't think we're better than anyone else, but we have a better life than everyone because we know the truth and it set us free and we live that way. We're living like life like it was supposed to be. That's what it means. So we expose this darkness and then we get you get to show your lifestyle, not just talk about it, but you get to show that you have a more compelling life. You know, you'll, you have that thankful life. You're putting sexuality in its proper place. You're living your marriage by God's design. You're living that more compelling life. And when you do that, it exposes the darkness. All right. Good stuff there in number seven. I'd spend a little bit of time on that because you want to understand why and how we expose that darkness, okay? All right, let's apply the truth. Number one, if you struggle with sexual sin, how do you begin to overcome the struggle? Well, there are lots of ways that we can do that. Um, but the thing is, is that we are able to put off only because we have something to put on. So that's why over and over again in the Bible, you will, you'll hear this idea of putting off and putting on. This is not the only place in the New Testament that talks about that. We're also talking about it in the book of Colossians and several other places that we put off the old man with his deeds and put on the new. Uh, so that's, that's, what we, that's the picture of what we're doing. So um, you begin to overcome the struggle. You begin to expose it. You expose your life to the light, right? You make sure that everybody knows that, that now this darkness is not going to be a part of you because you're going to open your life to the light of God. And you're going to allow Him to work in and through you. You're going to accept the truth of what God says about relationships and the truth about what God says about love and the truth about what God says about living for Him and giving you purpose and plan. Number two, how can you be more effective in the way that you show the world that life in Christ is far more compelling than walking in the darkness? And we already talked about that a little bit. But, you know, you, you go back and you say, with, with my life, uh, I'm going to let them know, I'm going to talk more, that living for Christ is a much more compelling life. And then uh, talking about Christ is also much more compelling. So we get to show, not, talk, not just talk about it, but we get to show a more compelling life. And we live that thankful life. We, we talked about putting sexuality in its proper place and living out your marriage by God's design and exposing the darkness. And number three, um, 
what role does the church play in helping our culture understand God's plan for sexuality? Well, we encourage each other. We are there for each other. That's why you're in Life Connection Group, because you're a community helping one another to overcome. You're saying, I'm not the only one facing these things, you know. Let them talk about how important it is for them to come and be a part of this Life Connection Group and to, and to hear others that believe like they do and want to live like they do and want to talk like they do and, and want to think like they do and all those things, you know. Those kind of people that laugh at really funny jokes and not dirty jokes. Those are important things. You, you begin to think when you're out in the world, am I the only one? You come back in your life connection group and you find out, no, I'm not. There are other believers here. Okay, well, let's respond, respond to the truth. Um, what do you think God is calling you to do in response to Ephesians 5, 1 through 14? And there can be lots of things there. Maybe they can tell you, this is what I'm struggling with, this is what I'm going through. Uh, how does that inform the way you pray? Well, folks, you need to be praying. That you, will, you will expose because of the light that you'll be able to share and uh, make a difference. Uh, Lord, the, 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 you say things like, Lord, may I be light in this dark world. Lord, that I'm no longer part of this darkness, but I am the light as he reflects on me like the moon reflects on the sun. All kind of ways to pray. And number three, what can you do this week to more faithfully walk in the light? So do you need to, do you need to turn away from dirty jokes when they're being said? Do you need to turn your heart towards Jesus as never before? Do you need to say, Jesus, I need you to work in my heart. I need you to change me from the inside out. Yeah, I know I've, I've come to Christ, but i got to tell you, I've been just been kind of going along with everybody. And maybe some of the people in your Life Connection group need to say, hey, I need to commit to being in Life Connection group every single week unless I'm sick or out of town. You know, there's some people in your Life Connection group. Anyway. Maybe have some of them share what they think they can do to faithfully walk in the light. All right, guys. Well, let me pray for you, and thank you for listening. And uh, we just count on God doing great things this week and look forward to him touching the hearts and lives of the people as you preach, teach the Word of God this week. Father, thank you so much for the blessings of all good things. And, Lord, I pray that we would be light in this dark world. In this world that doesn't believe in truth, Lord, in this world that wants to be self, uh, self-centered and self-focused, may we be self-sacrificial, and may we be people that follow Jesus and selflessly give and show what real love is. That we would faithfully walk in the light. Use us this week. Thank you that Jesus rose from the dead. May we never get over it. And if there's anyone in the, one of the, in the Life Connection group that doesn't know you as Savior Lord of the, their lives, may this Sunday be the day when they come to know Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. And happy Easter.